Amen. How many of us really, when it comes down to it, would really like to see us flow in the supernatural, especially on Tuesday nights? Yes. Okay. It is very, 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 very hard for the spirit to move in the tired body. It is very, very, very hard to have a move of the spirit when our flesh wants to sit, it wants to get comfortable, it's tired, and those types of things. Amen? So in order for us to do this, it's not just contingent on who's up here, but it's contingent on are we all going to get in spiritual shape for what it takes for us to have a move of God. Amen? Amen. And so if this is where we're all wanting to go, and I get the impression that this is where we want to go, amen, we want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Amen. We want word of wisdom and word of knowledge and gifts of healing and those types of things. Then it's not going to start on a Tuesday night. It's going to start on a Monday morning. And it's going to be us all looking at our, and, and, and I'll just, this is kind of my philosophy, okay? I think our Sunday mornings, Sunday morning is your lots of visitors are here, you're doing a lot of business as far as church goes we got to check all the boxes did we get the announcements out do we have a good message did we did people get prayed for that's a wonderful thing but there's so much we're trying to jam in an hour and a half service so on tuesday nights this is really the church did you know that this is really the church this is the group of people that are purposing to come out on a Tuesday night. You came for a reason. Amen. And I, and I want you to know, I appreciate that you come. My parents appreciate that you come. We know that, that you have work schedules and you have kids and you have all, you know, that you have a life. We t I totally understand that. And everything in the world is made to try and squeeze every little bit of attention out of you before you get here. Amen. And I want you to know that we're thankful that you come. And so this is not... A correction or this is not a in any way shape or form condemning to anybody in the room I'm speaking to me too but I'm saying Tuesday nights we really have always wanted I think even in my parents heart and vision this was a night where we could be a little bit slower we could be a little bit more deliberate and we could actually take a few minutes and wait on the Holy Spirit and just see what the what he wanted to do in our midst and so what we have to start doing now is we need to start purposing now for next Tuesday. And we need to start setting aside in our minds and in our hearts and in our thoughts. And even as I'm planning out my day, I don't want to come dragging into church on my last nerve. You got kids? Dragging in on your last nerve. You know what I mean? I've got to come expectant. And I've got to come, and here's, here's the thing. You're going to have to stir yourself up. Amen? I can't stir you up. Amen? My dear friend Tracy Harris, he can stir you up. 
Pastor Tracy comes in and he starts stirring. And if you'll get on board, next thing you know, we're all moving at the same speed. But it takes a while to get us all going there. I want us to be able to jump in right on the first song. And what that means is, is that I've got to start practicing and rehearsing what we're going to do before I even start coming to church. I gotta, I gotta be ready to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. I gotta be ready to stand a little bit longer. I gotta get ready to praise a little bit louder. You know, I can't have Michelle and Robin trying to pull me into worship, pull me into worship. No, no, no. We should be pulling them off the boat into the water with us. We really should. Amen? So, let me back up and ask my question again. Who really wants a move of God? <laughs> Who really wants to see? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to, I mean, if I said I wanted to lose 25 pounds, yay. Now I got to diet. No. Is there another way? You know what I mean? There is no other way. And so this is the way that we do it. So if we will keep our bodies strong, if we'll be focused, then we can be a little bit more hangout as shown a Tuesday night. And, and I'm always prepared to teach, but I don't have to teach. I would much rather, the Holy Spirit can do more than in five seconds in your life than, than my, an entire lifetime of my teaching. Amen? And so I want to encourage us all to come, stir ourselves up. When worship starts, let's, let's purpose to jump in. And I'm not saying let's work something up or make something happen. That's not what we want. But I did know sitting there tonight, I just felt that very, very strongly in my spirit. We're all wanting this mighty move of God, but we got to get in shape to do it. Okay? We're all in the same boat? All right. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we've been talking about on Tuesday nights um, about the testing of your faith. Anybody been tested in your faith lately? <laughs> Anybody been tested in what you believe? Has anybody been challenged in what you believe? Amen. That's the testing of your faith. Remember it says in James, count it all joy when I fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. Amen. Oh, Lord, if we were to have a, a conference on patience, how many people would come? Not many. And so uh, we're talking about the testing of our faith, but I kind of I want to veer off just a little bit tonight. And I want to talk about something that I think that each and every one of us at some level in our life deal with. Amen. Uh, some of you might have had some world class people in your family that had this trait. Others, it might be something that is it's not new to us. But I want to show you that in order for us to walk and live by faith. Amen. We have to take no thought. In order for me to walk and live by faith, I have to take no thought. You want me to interpret what that means? Don't worry. I will say that most of us in this room at some level deal with worry at some level. Am I talking to the right group tonight? Amen. Anybody dealing with worry? Don't raise her hand. You raise your hand. How many of you were just raised in a family where worry was just the name of the game? How about this one? If you weren't worrying, you weren't caring. 
Why aren't you worried about so-and-so? Don't you care about them? And you see how subtle that worry can be. But let me tell you, when it comes to the testing of your faith, worry is one of the most dangerous things that we can allow. Now, we're all going to get tempted to worry sometimes. Getting tempted to worry is not the same as actually worrying. It's an invitation to worry, and you can either accept it or you can decline it. Some people are so pronounced and so proficient in their worry, it is second nature to them. They don't know what else to do or how to do it. The first time that I ever studied out worry, and I'm going to get into a little bit of the scientific part of it. I didn't want to dwell there. The Really, the thought that the, the, the central phrase that keeps coming to me is, take no thought. Take no thought. Amen? Take no thought. Take no thought. We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. But even on a, on a physiological level, a, an advanced worrier, because of what it does to the chemicals released in the body, it can actually make you feel intoxicated like a drunk person. That is an, an addictive feeling. I can get addicted to worrying. I can become so pronounced in worrying that it can change my body. Amen? And listen to me, worry, there is no, well, we should worry just a little bit. A little worry is healthy. That's like getting into a pool with a small shark. Amen? A little bit of worry is not, it's not healthy for us. It's a toxic thing. Amen? So we're going to go through the scriptures tonight. If we don't pick it all up tonight, we'll pick it up next Tuesday night. Um, but let's uh, look at Luke 12, verse 22. And as you're going there, just we're reminding everybody, I'm endeavoring to be a good communicator and just reminding people of what our goals are for 2020. Amen? Our foundational scripture is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, which we're going to talk about tonight. But looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. And uh, we're reading through the Bible. We're reading the book of Mark. I'm loving the book of Mark and uh, fantastic stuff in the book of Mark. Secondly, we're getting involved in outreach and uh, we had a great outreach Saturday and uh, we've got some other stuff that's coming up. But I want to encourage everyone to get involved in outreach and that's either going on one of our um, WHCC outreaches or just invite somebody to church. Amen. That's as much outreach as anything else. Uh, I want to encourage everybody that's through your gifts and your tithes and your offerings, if you're wanting to learn how to be obedient to God and how to walk by faith, the very first place that we start is with the tithe. Amen? Until I'm obedient with the tithe, it's hard for me to try and grow in another area because that's the first thing that God puts in our life for us to learn how to be obedient to. It's the tithe. So I want to start with the tithe and I want to start with offerings. I want to sow towards what I'm believing for. Amen? And then finally, number four, uh, is that we want to serve on a team. And uh, I'll invite everybody to come Saturday morning. Uh, we're not having a breakfast. There'll be some food that's prepared. I mean, we'll have some rolls and fruit and that type of a thing. I didn't want to focus on the food. Amen. We as Christians, we like to focus on the food. Amen. And make the food the thing. And I don't want to make the food the thing. I want to make the thing the thing. 
Amen. I want to make the meeting the thing and not the food, but I want to give you something to eat if you're here. And so we're going to do that Thursday morning. But everybody, a part of our Christian life, a part of our walk with the Lord is we should all be serving at some level somewhere in the body. Amen. It's normal. It's healthy. It's growth for both of us. Okay. So we're going back to Luke chapter 12, verse 22 out of the King James. And it said, and he said unto his disciples, notice who's Jesus talking to his disciples. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, nor about the body or what you shall put on. Luke isn't talking, I mean, uh, Jesus isn't talking to the world. He's not talking to the Sanhedrin. He's not talking to the Gentiles. He's talking to his church. And he's saying, take no thought. Take no thought about your life, what you're going to eat, and what you're going to wear. Take no thought. Why would Jesus tell us to take no thought about those things? Because he's saying, I got it covered. I'm going to provide all of your needs. If you get caught up in constantly worrying about your life, I want you to notice something about worry. It is selfish in nature. Because what I'm saying is, is I'm worried. What you're doing is making me feel this way. All it sees is me. I'm worrying. I, I, I. Have you ever noticed, and people have tried to worry for somebody else? Why aren't you worried? I'm worried. Why aren't you worried? You should be more worried. Jesus said, take no thought. When you're walking and living by faith, when we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when I am looking at him, what I'm saying and what I'm seeing is, is he is my source. If he's the author and the finisher of my faith, he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and he takes care of all the stuff in the middle if we let him. For me to take that burden off of Jesus and put it on me is called worry. When I begin to worry about my life, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to wear, what about me, I am removing him from the throne as my source and I'm putting me on it. He's my source. This is faith. But pastor, how's he going to do it? I don't know. How's he going to feed me? I don't know. I mean, he did manna for one whole group. I mean, he put money in a fish's mouth for one guy. I mean, he took a couple of fish and some bread and he fed 5,000. I don't know. Do you think that Jesus can feed us if we needed him to? Do you think he could clothe us if he wanted us to? Yeah. So what do I have to do? Just believe. Amen. I have to believe that when God called me, he said, Jack, because I've called you and I created you, I am going to now, I am now responsible for everything that's about you. 
I didn't just bring you into this world just to get by. When I called you and got you born again, I took personal responsibility for you. And I will provide for you. I will care for you. See, this is our God. This is the God that people don't understand. People have no concept of this God. This is not a God sitting on a throne with a baseball bat ready to just bash your brains in when we do something wrong. This is a God that's like, think about man and woman. He put them in a garden called Eden. You know what Eden means? Delight. His first move towards you and I was to take a man and a woman and put them in a fully functioning mega garden that had more than one banana for everybody to eat. They couldn't have consumed everything in that garden on their own. There was so much. There was beauty. There was purpose. Adam never came home to Eve and was like, you know, I just really don't know what's going on in my life right now. I feel so lost. You know, I just don't feel like I'm fulfilled. I just don't feel like, you know, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't feel like there's purpose for here. You know, maybe we should be looking for something else. Adam and Eve were completely and totally fulfilled because they were with God. We have to get in faith without a shadow of a doubt, and we have to settle this without a doubt that God is our source and He will provide for us. Okay? That's the most important thing. Matthew 6.34 So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Anybody have enough trouble for today? Amen? When we start worrying, we start trying to get ahead of God and His plan for our life. We start not looking at today, but now I'm starting to think about, well, what's going to happen next week? Or what's going to happen next year? Or what's going to happen? And, and, and this, is what's the, this is what's so dangerous for us as a believer, okay? How many of us know that with Adam and Eve that God was the sole source of knowledge and information. God was the sole, the number one source for information for Adam and Eve. Would we agree with that? When Eve talked to the devil, he talked him out of him becoming the sole source and Satan becoming that sole source. Amen? He talked him out of it. She started trying to get information from another tree. When God, we have to watch about where we're getting our information from. If we're spending, and I know I harp on this a lot, but if we're spending hours and hours watching network news, you are going to do nothing but worry. Because all they're trying to do in order, it's like, have you ever gone to the doctor? Have you ever gone to the doctor and they said, look, you're in the best shape you're ever going to be. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Even if you have a small cut, they're obliged by law to give you the worst case scenario so that if something goes wrong, they don't get sued. So they have to tell you what could happen. Now, is it going to happen? No. But they have to tell you. That's what network news is. They're wanting to tell you the worst case scenario about any and all situations. When we get that much information, when there's that much bad news, it, be, it, it starts us to worry. The coronavirus. I see somebody driving around with a mask. I'm like, do they have the coronavirus? 
I had a Bud Light virus growing up. I never had a coronavirus. I'm sorry, I'm not making light of that. That's a very, very serious thing. But I'm saying is, you see somebody with a mask and you're like, oh, hey, yeah. No, you go ahead. Did you touch that? You got hand sanitizer. We're all doing our hands and stuff. Amen. But all worry is trying to do is to separate you from the promises of God. Does God ever change? Has his word ever changed? All his promises are what? Yes and amen. Amen. Listen to me. His purpose, his plans, all those things in his life never change. And the only thing the devil can do is try and give you a what if scenario. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if the banks collapse? What if Russia invades? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Oh my gosh, what if all that happens? What am I going to do? I, I need to start like buying a lot of food and, and making a bunker. And, and, and you know, it, it, it sends us into a, away from God's plan and purpose. Now, if God tells you to go and do something, then do it. Amen? But don't let the world who doesn't know God try and tell you about God and what you should worry about. Amen? Because it doesn't apply to us. Worry and faith do not work together. They're like fire and water. There's no place where you can have fire and water at the same time. If you have a fire going, which is your faith, worry is a flood of water that comes and douses it all out. They cannot live together. They are not a tag team. Worry and faith cannot live at the same address. You're either walking in faith or we're walking in worry. Now, like I said, we get tempted to worry sometimes. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm going to give to you, if we can get to it tonight, I'm going to give you an action plan and steps of how to not live and walk in a worried life. Amen? Of how not to walk. Now, worry... It simply means I am anxious about something. It means I am distracted. It means I care for something. It means to be drawn in opposite directions. And this is the best one. It means to go to pieces because you are pulled apart. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just falling apart? That's where that phrase comes from. It's because when we start to worry, we start to get fragmented and splintered in what we're thinking. And no longer of listening to one source or looking to one source, now I'm thinking about 50 different possibilities of what could happen. And each possibility is worse than the next. Isn't it? And have you noticed, late at night, it's a lot easier to worry than it is early in the morning. We get attacked and like, oh my gosh, the sky's falling. We're going to make it. No one's going to make it. And the next morning you're like, ah, he's going to be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it will attack us the most when we're tired. Amen. That's another reason we need to stay spiritually in shape so that we have the mental capacity to push back against that temptation for, um, for worry. Let's go to the book of Job. Don't tell me God's not concerned about people working. Named a whole book in the Bible after it. Don't tell me God's not concerned about numbers. He named a whole book in the Bible after it. Hmm. 
trying not to make Joanne laugh. I said, I was not going to make Joanne laugh tonight. Everybody knows the story of Job. Amen? Supposedly, uh, Job was a contemporary around the same time of Abraham. A little bit of study, and if I'm wrong on that, I'm, I'm open to anybody telling me. But he was around about the same time of Abraham. Something you have to remember about the book of Job and what you have to remember about a lot of the Old Testament. They did not have a revelation of who the devil was. There was no reference that they had an enemy. So therefore, in the Old Testament, everything good or bad that happened, they always blamed on God. Because they did not have a reference that there was an enemy and that he was after them. Okay? So that's why when we see in the Bible, God did this, God did that, they had no comprehension that there was an enemy and how much that Satan hated them. Amen? They knew about a serpent, but they didn't know about the devil that he had become. Okay? So, everybody knows Job. The devil presents himself with the angels to God. And he's talking about Job. And he's like, God was like, have you seen my man Job? And the devil was like, yeah, you've got this hedge around him. And I can't get to him. And so, uh, Satan wants to attack Job. Amen? Now, a lot of traditional way would say, well, God was like, sure, just go attack Job and, and have fun, but let me put some limits on it while you do it. Amen? But there were some, there were some doors that Job opened that allowed Satan into his life. Okay? Job chapter 1, verse 5. Now, you got to know that Job at that time was a billionaire. Job was the one, if you go read the book of Job, look at all that he had. He had all the cattle, he had all the gold. He was very rich, very influential. He had a lot of sons and daughters. And this is what Job did. This is what opened the door for Satan to be able to attack him. Job 1.5. Job, after his... Job would go and make burnt offerings for all of his kids just in case they didn't do it for themselves. Job, they would have parties and all this kind of stuff, and Job began to worry about his kids. And so instead of the kids making the sacrifices for themselves, Job started making them for him. And there's a whole teaching my mom does in there about burnt offerings, and you can't do that. You have to do that for yourself, and it's, it's a really good teaching that she does. But the bottom line is, is Job said this in Job 1 verse 5. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus, Job did regularly. Two key words in that verse. For Job said, he said, he said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This Job did regularly. Notice that his worry became words and he began to speak what he feared. The thing that he worried about, he thought about because it says he did it regularly. He started getting pronounced in his thinking that, well, I better go ahead and do this offering for my kids because maybe they've cursed God in their hearts and I don't want anything to happen to them. And see, a lot of times we will try and camouflage our worry with love but it's still worry. Love brings you to a better place. Worry leaves you where you are. Amen. Love, Jesus came and he loved and he lifted people out. 
He didn't come by and go, man, I just feel terrible for you. And just walk right past him. Love is always trying to pull you up. Love is always trying to pull you out. Jesus is always trying to get us higher, get us better, and do more for us. Amen? Worry is trying to keep us in a place, actually entrap us, and actually get us lower. Amen? So Job was worried about his kids. So he said regularly, let me do these burnt offerings in case they've cursed God. And then what happened in Job 3.25... For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded happened to me. This thing that he meditated on and meditated on and worried about and worried about and worried about, he became so pronounced in it because he was saying it, it framed his world, and he got what he said. The thing I greatly feared, and listen to me, Worry is just a precursor to get us over into fear. It's the doorway. It's a gateway to fear. A little bit of worry. A little bit of worry is healthy. Worry a little bit. But what it's trying to do is move us into a place of fear. And fear is the anti-faith. Faith draws those things towards me that I'm believing for. Fear draws those things toward me that I don't want. So when I walk and I'm pronounced in fear, I am drawing everything that Job feared came upon him. And that was the door that Satan used to get to him. Amen? But where did it start? He said regularly he worried about his kids. Should we care about our kids? Absolutely. Amen? They're ours. What's what's the term? From the womb to the tomb? Amen? Where... Some of us are sticks and some of us are boomerangs. Amen. Some of you throw and they never come back. Others, we just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Amen. It's a fine line for us as parents. Amen. To want the very best for our children, to, um, to sacrifice for our children, to do all these wonderful things. But it does not help. Look, Job's worrying did not help his children one bit. It actually made it worse. So we're not doing our kids or husbands or spouses or anybody any good by worrying about them. We're actually putting them in more harm. Amen? I want to speak the word only and I want to speak faith over my loved ones, over my children. Now if your kids are out messing up and doing the wrong thing, that's when you just got to believe in the blood of Jesus and the mercy of God. And you get in there with Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if you're going to go act a fool, great. But I'm just going to believe that you're not going to cost, this won't cost you your life in the midst of all this. But I see you worshiping and praising God. Amen. That's what I choose to see. I'm not going to worry about what could happen. I'm going to begin to change what I think and what I see by by proclaiming what is going to happen. Amen. Amen. So, worry is the precursor that leads to fear, the anti-faith. Like we talked about tonight, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the originator and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that word looking means looking away from all else and to fix one's gaze. 
all worry is trying to do is to distract you from your faith projects. Amen? If we are starting, if we're going to run a race, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on that finish line. Because what happens if I take my eyes off that finish line? I get off course. What I am learning and what we're really endeavoring to do as a church this year is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. If I'll keep my eyes on Him, I won't get distracted with all the little things that are trying to pull us apart from what... And worry is one of the key things. Amen? How many of us believe God for something and in your mind you said, well, what happens if it doesn't happen? I wonder if it's going to happen or not. Amen? Today, how many of us wonder that? Folks, I have a, I have a board in my office. If you ever come into my office, it's all the things that we're believing for at this church. And it's a little bit overwhelming. You know what I mean? I could actually start to worry about all those things. Because the things are so far above me, I couldn't make them happen if I wanted to. That's why I know it's faith. I wouldn't even be in the ring with this bad boy if I didn't know that God had already defeated it. Amen. I wouldn't have picked this fight. But I know that God is my source. And I know that when we agree and we act according to His Word and His will, and we sow when He tells us to sow, and we reap when He tells us to reap, we're going to have everything that we're believing for. Amen? And there's going to be a miracle and a testimony in the midst of it. Because we're going to do it, we're going to do it His way. If you do it His way, you get His benefits. If you do the things they did in the Bible, you'll get the same Bible results. Amen? We, we can't be double-minded in what we're doing. I can't do a little faith, a little bit of mind, a little me figuring it out, a little bit of faith. It doesn't work that way. i got to be locked in at what I'm believing for. I got to make a decision of which there is no return. I am going to purpose to walk and live by faith, and I'm not going to let anybody or anything distract me from what we're doing. And let me know when you make that choice, every demon in hell is going to give you an opportunity to worry about someone or something. You're going to get a report about something. There's going to be a, there's a layoff coming. There's a layoff coming. There's a layoff coming. Oh, gosh. Layoff. Oh, okay, no, no. You know, you start hearing stuff about your kids. Don't worry. Amen? Amen. You got to choose not to worry. As I said before, worry is nothing more than a distraction to get our eyes off Jesus, our faith project, and put our attention on circumstances. I'll give you just a couple of scientific facts and then we'll probably stop there for tonight. Per studies, <laughs> 85% of what we worry about never happens. 85% of what we worry about never happens. Would you like to have all the time back that you spent worrying about things that never happened? Amen. Now, of that next 15%, 97% of that remaining 15%, people said one of two things. Number one, they said they could handle the problem better than they expected. And the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. So in reality, 97% 
of the things that we worry about don't ever happen and don't hurt us. But we allow Satan to take our minds hostage with these renegade and rebellious thoughts to try and distract us and lead us and take us off our game, which is Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? Get this. 97% of all we worry about is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggeration and misconception. Amen? This is why take no thought. We have been taught in the faith camp that we don't fight thoughts or, or, or we don't fight thoughts with thoughts. We fight thoughts with words. When you get tempted to take a thought, you don't just think back at it. You're going to have to speak to this thing out loud. When Satan comes and says it's not going to happen, yes, it is going to happen in Jesus' name. When there's layoffs, well, I'm not going to get laid off. I'm going to get a raise in Jesus' name. When the economy's going down, well, I live by a different economy. I'm going up. Amen. You have to purpose in your heart to speak out loud. And, and why are you saying it out loud? Because there's three people that need to hear it. Most importantly, you. You need to hear it. God needs to hear it, and the devil needs to hear it. Because you are declaring your victory to the whole world. Amen? My kids are going to live and not die. Amen? They're going to... They're going to share. They're going to do everything they've been called to do. And even if they try not to, they're still going to do it. Because I made it the same deal that my mom made with God. I made with God. With my kids. That they're going to serve God all the days of their life. That none of them are going to turn or walk away from any of this. And I love what Michelle keeps saying. That our children, our ceiling is their floor. Amen. Whatever Michelle and I are doing and what we're endeavoring to live by faith that my kids are going to get on. They're not going to have to start way down here. They're going to get to start. They're learning more to live by faith at 20 than I did at 40. They're starting earlier because they've been raised in this their whole life. Now, what they're having to do is shift off of our faith onto their faith. Amen. But that's why Abraham was called the father of faith is because he passed it down to his sons, to Isaac and to Jacob. Noah didn't do that. Adam didn't do that. Abraham did. Amen? Abraham did. Listen. Prolonged worry leads to shrinking brain mass, lowering your IQ, heart disease, cancer, aging, and dementia. Amen? Worry releases toxic thoughts and chemicals into our bodies. There's nothing good. Listen to me. Like I said before, Job worrying about his kids didn't make them any better. Made them worse. Made him worse. Amen? When we worry, and, and, and don't be condemned when you go home, okay? Please don't. Amen? I, what I'm encouraging us to do is just, we're all believing God for something, right? Amen. Do you want what you're believing for? And don't worry about it. Okay? The worst thing that you can do is to worry about it. Don't worry about it. God, forget about it. God's got this. Just go on. Go get you something nice to eat. Go, go enjoy something. Right? 
don't worry. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, we'll stop there. I'll pick it up again next week and we'll finish with that. Amen. That, that worry causes? Okay. Worry causes shrinking brain mass, lowering your IQ, heart disease, cancer, aging, and dementia. And those are just some of the things that they do physiologically to us because of the release of those. It's a toxic chemical that gets released. Amen? Now look, I can't leave you just totally defenseless till you come back next Tuesday, okay? Alright? So I'm going to give you the verse, and this is what you're going to meditate on until you get back, and I'm going to break it down for you. Philippians 4.6 Be anxious for nothing. For in all things... Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen. You're going to have to, like I said, when you get tempted with worry, you're going to have to speak to it with your words and you're going to have to cast down that imagination. When it says take no thought, now you need to put a different thought in your brain to think about other than the thing you're worrying about. And when you find yourself getting drawn back towards that thing, you need to get into the words yourself. You need to find some scriptures about worry and you need to meditate on them for yourself. You need to constantly be casting your care. Constantly, constantly, constantly. I need to go all day long. I'm not picking that. When people say, take care, I don't want it. I do not want it. Well, take care. Oh, no, I don't want your care. I don't want to pick that up. That's, that's dangerous to me. And we should treat it that way. Well, take care. You take care. It's, it's, I'm not going to say it. It's a curse. They're trying to curse you. Take care. No, take money. Be blessed. Be warm. Be filled. I'm sorry. I'm digressing really bad, really fast. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Gonzalo, don't worry. Don't worry. God's got this. Amen. Don't worry. Amen? Leanna, don't worry. Don't worry. God's got this. Robin, don't worry. Don't worry. God's got them. God got us all. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word of God, which is moving. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for the victory that we have. We plead the blood of Jesus over us. We declare, Father, the victory in each and every one of our lives. And Lord, as an act of our will, we cast down every imagination and every evil thought. And we thank you, Lord, that we're going to believe the best because love believes the best of every person. We're going to choose to walk in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love endures long and is patient and kind. It is not vainglorious. It is not boastful. It does not display itself haughtily. Lord, we thank you that it's not arrogant and conceited and inflated with pride, Father. We thank you that love endures all things, Father. So, Father, I thank you that we're a congregation filled with love. Lord, we're getting in spiritual shape. <clears throat> and we're excited about next Tuesday in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.